Tchaikovsky to make it three! Scintillating football by the Chicago Fire! Finding Herbers, Fabian Herbers is in again, and Fabian Herbers has scored again! A man on fire! Welcome to another edition of the Intercontinental Football Show. Folks, we know that you just cannot get enough of <laughs> myself, Arlo White, and Andrew Williams. So we're going to be bringing you some more content. We know that we got a lot of games packed in for the fire. The Premier League is in full force, and we're just going to be trying to pump out as many episodes as possible. We got one for you at the beginning of the week. We'll recap the Chicago Fire's road swing, which obviously did not yield too many points, but We'll get to that in just a moment. And then, of course, we're going to bring you another episode later in the week. Arla White is fresh off of the call this afternoon. And, of course, uh, Chelsea, A-dubs Chelsea, coming away with a massive 3-0 win over Spurs at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I'm coming off of a disappointing loss for the Chicago Fire against Montreal. Club de Foot Montreal, that is. Arla White, you are, you are a gentleman and a scholar, and you are also carbon efficient. Uh, in your travels, getting back to your home today. Yeah, so the first, the first zero carbon um, major sporting event in the world, as, as I was led to believe today. So I arrived in an electric car. I took the train down, um, and and any 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 sort of carbon excess will be made up for by the planting of trees around the London area. So that was very good. Lovely. Unfortunately, the game was carbon zero, Tottenham zero. Uh, unfortunately for for Spurs fans and and A Dub's chat, he's got the yellow. Road shirt for Chelsea, A-Dubs representing. He's, the, he's got that smile so of a man who thinks, hold on a minute, we are the favourites for the Premier League title. But it's <laughs> Sunday night. People could see us, Tyler. People could see us. We have mood lighting, just a little lamp each, I believe. Mm. You know, you're in your, your new office in, in your new apartment. I'm in my office. We've got, I've got a glass of uh, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. You've got a good old American beer there, have you? Or? I've got a, I've got a beer. This is, this is dangerous. I crossed state lines to get this spotted cow from New Glarus in Wisconsin. Oof. Um, yeah, Oof, took a little that sounds trip. good. It is delicious. So I'm going to raise this glass to you, you your little New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. I raise it back to you. Yep. Ching, ching. Ching, ching. A-W, what do you got over there? Sunday fun day. Oh, he's, got, think a sm- not- he's got a are we, popping, are we popping smoothie. the champagne for Chelsea no, already or what? No, 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 no champagne today. Just a little Tito's and soda. You know, keep it light. You know, got to stay. Got to wedding fit. water. That's we call <laughs> exactly. that wedding water. Tito's exactly. and soda. Uh, only five games in, Adam. Only five games in, but it does look good. So, Tyler, look tonight, Montreal. <laughs> defeat on the road and it's 12 points away from the playoffs now with nine games to go look fire fans will have seen the game how did you how did you experience it what's your match report well, first of all, Tony and I called the game uh, for SeatGeek. Obviously, you know, going to Canada is a little bit more difficult um, during COVID. So we decided to call the game uh, from Bridgeview. So didn't have necessarily the upfront, upfront and personal view that we typically do. But um, this was a game that, you know, you're coming off of losses to Kansas City and D.C. in which you conceded really, really early leads and basically got buried in the first half. And what you were looking for from the guys was a response. And I, and I genuinely do think that Rafa got that from, from the guys. The effort was there. Um, he ended up making five changes. Gaga Slonina started his second game ever as a 17-year-old. I thought he played well. There was nothing he could do about, about either of the goals. Um, but at the end of the day, just not enough quality attacking third. Um, Montreal, you know, Georgia Mihailovic, I thought, played a pretty good game. He had the assist on the opening goal to, to Romel Kyoto. And then it was an own goal from Carlos Tehran um, where he's one of those ones where the ball gets whipped in behind. It was actually a terrific ball from uh, Mathieu Chouanier. And he 
basically put it into that corridor of uncertainty and Tehran's making a back run and he's facing his own goal. He sticks out a toe and it basically, and it goes in, goes in his own net, but you saw a response from the guys, but you know, it's the story of the fire season where it's just, you know, there was quality basically up until the final third and then the ball doesn't bounce their way and the opposition, you know, takes advantage of a couple of opportunities. I actually thought the fire really outplayed Montreal in, in terms of executing a game plan in the first half. And then Ahmed Hamdi comes on and replaces Samuel Piet, a Canadian international at halftime, basically just changed the entire game. But, you know, for the fire after this loss, you know, you were talking about DC and Montreal proverbial six pointers in both of those games. You wanted any chance of the postseason. you know, you needed to win those and you lost both of them, no points. And I think we can confidently say that um, any chance of making the postseason now is, is extremely slim. An even bigger shame, I think in a way is Gaston Jimenez and Nacho Aliceda. They were suspended for the game. Mm-hmm. An internal situation. Rafa Wiki has come down hard on them. Um, what do you know about it? What can you tell us about it? What's the situation with those two players? So essentially, you know, we were just told that they were not going to be traveling with the team to Montreal uh, basically about, I would say, 24 hours before, before kickoff. And... That's all we were told. We were told that they weren't traveling because they broke team protocol. You know, that could mean a number of different things. We were not given that information. We're not privy to that. And it's an internal matter that Rafael Wiki wants to handle on his own. So Tony and I basically broke the news um, on WGN at the top of the broadcast. And then a couple of reporters, obviously, afterwards followed up with Rafa. And he said the same thing. It's an internal matter. We're not going to disclose it to the public. And, you know, there have been some instances in the past of or maybe some rumors circulating in terms of you know players being late or something like that so a reporter in brian sandalo you know basically asked the question is this a first time offense with regard to violating this team protocol and and rafa said yes this is a first time offense in with regard to this specific matter so that's all that we know we're not going to speculate as to what they did it it doesn't really matter in the end because Mm -hmm. what does matter is that they broke team protocol and it was enough for rafael wiki and the technical staff to say No one man is bigger than the club. Nobody's bigger than the team. And you guys simply aren't going to travel. And it's not just two players. It's two designated players. It's a 30-year-old veteran in Gaston Jimenez. It's Nacho Aliceta, who really hasn't played all that much this season due to injury. He's still trying to, you know, really grab onto some sort of form. And his, you know, his best game was when you were here in Chicago against Atlanta. Mm. And you thought, and like, you know, you said at the end of the broadcast, a star is born in Chicago. And that's the way it felt. You're waiting for this young Mm. DP to break out. And it simply hasn't happened. And now here he goes and he violates team protocol just when he started to become fit and potentially was going to start tonight. So, or today, I should say. So it's really disappointing. And we, we don't know what they did, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They're violating team team protocol. And it, at the most important juncture of the season, and you know, the fire suffered from it and had to make changes and 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 they lost. And you know, Gastoni Mendes and Natural Aceda will have to will have to learn from their mistakes, move on, and, and hopefully. Um, you know, just do better in the future. But it's it's very, very disappointing. You were calling the game from a distance at SeatGeek Stadium, obviously, because of the COVID protocols, etc. But do you sense in Rafa, Frank Klopas, everyone to do with the organisation that there is a sense of disappointment at this occurring at this stage of the season? I think that there's a definite disappointment in terms of the juncture of the season, but I just think it's a disappointment in general. It, I, it, it shouldn't matter whether it happens in week one or in week 23 or whatever it is. It, it's, it's disappointing. It's, it's a, it's a player putting themselves before the team, which is never the case on the field, off the field, whatever it might be. And here's the other thing, Arlo, we're, to- we're getting towards the end of the season and teams are starting to see the writing on the wall as far as whether or not their playoff hopes are, are still alive. FC Dallas 
basically lost a huge Derby matchup to the Houston Dynamo. They lose 3-2. And Luchi Gonzalez, who's been with the club forever, he was in charge of the academy. He's been there since 2018. He got let go. So, you know, I'm not saying that Rafa Wicke is, you know, destined for that. I'm, we're not privy to that information. But what I will say is we're around that time of the season. We're around that juncture of the season where those questions are being asked. And, and Rafa's seat might be a little bit hot right now. Well, it's interesting. And now there's a three-game homestand. And, you know, you think when you look at that that gap to the playoffs, which is 12 points, there were nine games to go. Look, if you were to tell me if the, if the five were to get, looking at the glass half full, they were to get nine points out of nine against the New England Revolution, Nashville and NYCFC, then I might buy in again. I might yep. think that this thing is still alive. There might Absolutely. still be a pulse in the, in the Chicago Fire, you know, playoff hopes. But it's the New England Revolution. And it's Nashville SC and it's NYCFC. Now, in the Revs and Nashville, you've got the top two, uh, well, two of the top top teams in the in the East. So this is going to be a very very difficult home stand. How do you see it going? Let's start with the Revs game. We, we can deal with the Nashville game in our, in our pod later in the week. But this Revs game's massive, isn't it? Because you don't want a team coming in in the situation that that the Fire find themselves in now. You're back on home territory. You've been on the road. You haven't impressed. You don't want someone coming into the house, coming into Soldier Field and schooling the fire who, you know, the players are going to be down. They're going to be dejected. How on earth does does Rafa and this organization lift the players to compete with with arguably the best team in Major League Soccer on Wednesday? I mean... At the end of the day, they, they should be able to compete and they should be able to just put 110% forward and, you know, just like they did against Montreal today. But at the end of the day, it it just comes down to quality. And I think that and I think that we saw that with Montreal and Montreal is not, a, you know, they're not leaps and bounds. If you look up and down the roster and say they're better at this position, they're better at this position. And, but you could clearly see that they had something in the final third that the fire simply don't right now. The problem is, is, is that. New England's going to come in here, and and here's an interesting situation. Miami, when they were really at their lowest low this season, before they started to turn things around, and, and Phil Neville started to maybe you know get a little bit more out of the guys. It was actually right after the Athletic article came out about all their trials and tribulations. Mm. New England went into Miami and blew their doors off and and beat them five nil. Mm. I'm not saying that the Fire are destined for that, but at the same time, things are not good on the field for the Fire right now. You know, haven't scored a goal in seven halves, I believe uh, it is. Last goal was against Red Bulls um, in in that win. The winner, and the winner on the road. The winner, yeah. the winner on the road. And now, you know, you have these problems off the field as well. You know, New England's going to be coming, licking their chops, and this is a team that's looking to basically solidify supporter shield now, and they're running away with it. Um, and and you know, they want to keep you know grinding and pushing towards form towards the postseason. So this is going to be this is going to be a really really big test, not from a playoff standpoint, but just character. What does it mean mm-hmm. to put on that shirt? What does it mean to play for that badge and to play for the city of Chicago? Because that's what you're playing for right now. Yeah. You're playing against yeah. one of the, you're playing against the best team in Major League Soccer. What do you have? What do you have in the tank right now to be able to say we can compete at this level? It hasn't gone our way this season, but you know we still have a lot more to give, and we're gonna and we're gonna play till the dying moment this season. We will find out on Wednesday. We covered the game that I called today. How about we cover the game that you were on the microphone for, and that was A-Dubs Chelsea thrashing Tottenham, particularly in the second half, by a score of 3-0. to nil. And, you know, I was able to watch the first half for the most part while Tony and I were getting ready for the game, and and it looked pretty even, and I yeah. didn't see the score up until the end of the game. And, you know, basically, Victor Wanyama was on the field for, for Montreal, and I was just curious because we were just talking <laughs> about Spurs, and I took a look yeah. at the score. I was like, tough day for uh, for Victor Wanyama's Spurs as they uh, as they fall to Chelsea, you know, 3-0 in the second half. But, 
you know, this this Chelsea group. I, I hate to even say it with A Dub on the Zoom right now. They they look they good. look so good. A Dub is trying to fight back a smile, he's isn't he? He's not fighting. He, back. He, he's not fighting he, back. He, no, but he, no, at the moment he's like, no, let's not get carried away. But during that game, I'm sure A Dub, come on. During that game in the second half at 2-0, 3-0, you're thinking, oh my God, we're the real deal. You know something special is going on when you have 11 different goal scorers and like none of our our striker didn't score today. Our wingers can't score. It was Thiago Silva and Tony Rudiger and and N'Golo Conte. Yeah. (laughs) So what I said at the end of the game and, you know, the day started in this country, the day started quite sadly because there was a... A guy called Jimmy Greaves, mm. who we're talking like a Babe Ruth, we're, jo- we're talking like a Johnny Unitas sort of character in English football, who in the 50s, 60s, and maybe early 70s, was just the most phenomenal goal scorer this country, I mean England, has ever seen. He is the all-time leading Tottenham goal scorer, 266 goals. Ronaldo, only in 2017, broke his record for the most top-flight goals in the top five European leagues, you know, the, 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 we're talking the Premier League, we're talking you know, the French League, the, the, the Spanish League, the Italian League and, and, uh, and the Spanish League. So Jimmy Greaves was a freak. He was also a complicated character. He struggled with alcoholism during his career and shortly thereafter. But when I was growing up in the East Midlands of England, he was a massive television star. Mm. So, but he looked completely, he looked like an affable grandfather figure. Whereas when he was playing, he was this felt, speedy, good looking, sort of very, very good footballer. Um, but he made broadcasting fun. He made the game fun. He had a tremendous sense of humor, a wicked sense of humor. So, the news this morning, and he started his career with Chelsea, and he was 17 when he made his debut for them. By the, the age of 20, he'd already scored 100 league goals. He scored 132 goals in his first four years. Uh, then he went to AC Milan, I believe, and um, he came back to Spurs, because it didn't work out in Italy, for £99,999, because nobody wanted him to be, not, not Tottenham or Jimmy Greaves, wanted, be, wanted to be the first £100,000 footballer. So he comes back and he, he he's just absolutely ridiculous for Tottenham Hotspur. So you've got this, the backdrop that he started at Chelsea. He was a record goal scorer for Tottenham. And who's playing each other on the day that he passes away? Well, the two of them face off at the mm. new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So that was, it was kind of, po- it was very poignant and it was kind of fitting in a way. But who scores the goals? You think Harry Kane's going to bag a couple here, isn't he? Or Romelu Lukaku's going to bag a couple? I don't know, no. I don't know where Harry Kane no. was on the day. Two centre-backs and a defensive midfielder score the goals for Chelsea on on this big day. Tottenham were very good in the first half an hour. Nuno Espirito Santo got them playing. Look, he lost Bergwijn. He lost uh, Lucas Moura during the week. Son came back. uh, Eric Dyer came back. And and the guys, Lo Celso um, and Romero came back, who have been isolating in Croatia, you know, having played in those South American uh, qualifiers. But they were at it. Tottenham were at it. Full house, 60-odd thousand properly behind Tottenham. And they gave Chelsea some real problems in mm. that first half an hour. And then for the last 15 minutes of the first half, the game just literally, it just fizzled out. Yep. And it became, it was either two teams taking a breather, maybe Tottenham ran out of ideas, maybe ran out of a, a bit of energy. And Chelsea just thought, well, let's get to halftime because Thomas Tuchel is going to sort us out. And as usual, <laughs> he did. So he took off uh, Mason Mount. He brought on N'Golo Kante. And honestly, 
the, the, the control they had was absolute. And with Chelsea, and I hesitate to use this analogy, but it's Sunday night and I've got a glass of Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand in my hand. Love They're it. like a boa constrictor that mm. gradually squeezes the life out of you. And they gradually, they break your will and, and then they have their way with you. I mean, at the end... Chelsea had so many chances. Alonso had two cleared off the line. You know, Thiago had a, brought a great save out of Hugo Lloris. Um, the first goal were, was, I, I mean, don't get me started on Thiago Silva and how brilliant he is. And he's 37 on Wednesday. It is unbelievable. Ridiculous. Yeah. So when they, when they get that 2-0 lead and they have that five strong across the back and they have the three in front of them, which are uh, Jorginho, Kovacic and Conte, I mean... Give me a break. I mean, how are Tottenham supposed to break that down? And, I, and I'd say, even though it was the second straight 3-0 defeat for Tottenham, having won their opening three games 1-0, how does anyone break that down? The, the clean sheets are racking up for this side. Yeah. Chelsea have not conceded a goal from open play. I'm, I'm fully busting a bit, but feel free to interrupt me because I'm just got waxing lyrical, Tyler, about Chelsea. But they, they've only conceded one goal in the Premier League in five games, and that was a penalty. They don't concede from open play. They kept a, a clean sheet against Zenit in the Champions League. So, but they're not boring. They're terrific no. to watch com, coming forward as well. This team, they just wear you down. And like mm. you just... You have to be so sharp in every part of the field for the entirety of the 90 minutes. You have to, or else N'Golo Conte is going to come up from behind and strip you and they're going to go the other way. Or Lukaku is going to, you know, get you on his backside and he's going to turn and he's going to let one rip. Or Timo Werner is going to come on. He's not going to score. We all know that. But oh, he is going. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah, not, yeah, not no. going too far. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're not going to get ahead of ourselves. Although, um, to be fair, he had an assist. He did. Uh, no, that's yeah. fine. He can be the yeah. assist guy. He just can't be relied on to score 20 goals no. because you know no. he couldn't he couldn't find three if they were sitting in front of him. So, you know, it's there's so many different quality players on the field at every single position. They're cohesive and they are as, as a Liverpool fan and as a, as a as a fan of a team that, you know, is also vying for the Premier League and is, and is a big six club and and the whole thing. I You know, I'm looking at at Chelsea right now and I'm sort of saying, yeah. This is the team to beat right now. And if you're looking at the table between United, Chelsea, and Liverpool, and they're all mm. sitting on 13 points, even though they are, I'm still mm. sitting there thinking, this Chelsea group, you know, if any, if, if somebody's going to be the last one to blink, it's it's definitely them. There's too much quality coming off of the bench, and, and they're so well organized. They're well coached. And, and A-Dub, you know, sort of posed this question, is it... Not only that they're favored, but are they the favorite because of Tuchel's in-game management? And I, and I think mm. that that's a fair point because we talked about these teams and, and their weaknesses. And we talked about Liverpool, maybe some of their depth and, and maybe one more piece in the middle of the field. United need you know some sort of ball-winning uh, central midfielder to free up Pogba a little bit. And you're looking at City and the lack of their number nine. We really couldn't come up with anything for Chelsea other than just staying healthy. That's the biggest thing yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't see a weakness. I don't see a weakness. I don't see a weakness. And 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 the margins are that thin that yes, if Thomas Tuchel can continue to make these in-game adjustments and turn the and turn a game on its head like that, then yes, that that is going to be the difference between and and isn't it amazing that like you can have such different styles um, and, and and coaches like Liverpool is going to play Liverpool's way every single game, no matter what. And there's not, and you know, Jurgen Klopp isn't some sort of like in-game magical tactician that's going to do that. It's, it's heavy metal. You know exactly what you're going to get. Let's see if you can stop it. Chelsea, on the other hand, 
you know, he, he can make these changes. He can bring on different players. There's different looks for this group. And it's, it's really, really fun to watch. And, and, I, and I do think that they're going to go on one of these runs where it's just like they're not going to lose a game for, for a few months, as, as yeah, much as it I'm- pains me to say. And Manchester City dropping points yesterday at home to Southampton. You can ill afford to drop any points yeah. in this in this title let alone, race. Let alone against I, Southampton. You know, yeah. my fear is that it's not going this title race. And, and A-Dub's going to be like, oh, I don't know, you're getting carried away. Maybe I am. And it is, it is a Sunday night and I've been on a, a couple of very long train journeys. <laughs> but it feels like Chelsea have that momentum and I just don't see it letting up. I yeah. don't see it letting up. I see Man City. There's an element, just a slight element of transition in 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 their in their squad. You know, with, with integrating Grealish, not having that classic number nine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Liverpool. I've been massively impressed. And by the way, on this Sunday night, as we speak, and you're probably listening to this um, sometime on Monday, but Liverpool and Chelsea have mirrored exactly each other's results. Have you yep. seen it? Every single, single result one is, the same. is yep. exactly the same. The reason why Chelsea are top is head-to-head with Liverpool and because the 1-1 draw was away from home. That's all that yep. separates. Look, it's only five games. Um, and that kind of puts us, it kind of drives us into the, into the Manchester United game at, at West Ham, which I was kind of watching. I was half watching as I was preparing for the game uh, on the gantry at uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. What an extraordinary electric end to a game electric. of football. It was as close as you're going to get to that last second field goal, American football, double NFL, yeah. double doink sort of situation. Mm. It does. It, it just never happens. You've no. got a guy coming on to take a penalty. It. I hate it. I don't like Yeah, I, I hate it. Like I mean, it. I mean, obviously, I as an English, obviously, as an England fan, you hate it. But like I. It's 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 a anybody who's played the game, even if it's at a rec level, if you're just stepping onto the field for the first time, you know that that first touch or whatever you're going to do is like you're just trying to get a feel for the game. But to come on and to literally not have played and to step on cold and to have to be in that type of situation blows my mind. But I, Mark, I mean, pen. Mark, no, terrible. It was it was a safe pen. Because that's what you're going to do in that situation, yes, right? Because you haven't touched the ball. <laughs> yeah, I remember, and, and we saw the same with um, with Rashford, and we saw the same with with Sancho in the Euro Championship final. How are you? I mean, you, I know these guys are professional footballers. I get it, but there's still, you know, if if we walked into a booth and we're handed a microphone and someone said you're live, you might be a bit. Yeah, hesitant for the first yeah. couple of minutes. As I might you find need some new feet. underwear. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, you need to feel comfortable when when you're when you're doing your job. You need to be eased into it. Now, Mark Noble. The irony is, Mark Noble very, very rarely misses a penalty, and David de Gea Never very seen. rarely <laughs> saves a penalty. But lo and behold, it's it's lo- it's a lovely height to his left hand side. And I think goalkeepers in that situation think, well, what's he, what's going to be his safe option? Yeah, his safe option is to go to the side that you know he's a right footer. He's going to go to my left. Yeah. So let's let, let's and go. It was there. a perfect. And, it was a perfect height for De Gea oh, too. Like, and he yeah. he had basically out jumped the pen. Like he was he had to sort of reach behind him to go and get <laughs> yeah, it just because yeah. he had read it so well. And it was just. Yeah, but yeah. I will say this, and, and and we were talking about this a little bit before we came on. The atmosphere at London Stadium. I mean, West yeah. Ham have a good side this year. And yeah. it was rocking. And and for yeah. anybody who's been to to the London Stadium, you know you know that that's not an exactly intimate environment. You know you're not on no. top of you're not on top of the field like you are at an Anfield or at a Goodison Park or or you know the Theatre of Dreams. You know you are really separated from the field. Separated, yeah. Different place, zip code. That place was absolutely rocking. And credit to United 
because they're coming off of a horrific loss in Champions League against the Young Boys. And I was actually watching that game with Rafa and, and George Heights because, you know, they obviously have those connections to, to Switzerland and they know that league inside and out. Um, and Jesse Lingard was the one who who gave the goal to Pifak, um, a man who I hope to never see in the United States men's national team kid again. But <laughs> Lingard, you know, has this unbelievable strike and, and you know, obviously gives United the lead. And, and you know, United, you know, we talked about this earlier in the year. United's getting these bounces and getting these and getting these like, you know, late game big moments that lead you to believe that they just might end up being there as mm. well. You know, mm. they're they're not nearly as as good week in to week out as no. Liverpool or Chelsea are. No. But if you have Cristiano Ronaldo and you have, you know, the luck of Olegona Skolshar and and you know Bruno Fernandez and maybe. Maybe they could pull something out. Personally, I don't think the look will last. I think it's remarkable that Ronaldo's doing what he's doing. But, I mean, are we surprised? But literally, he scores every game. Every it, game. It, 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 and it's just brilliant. I mean, and can we good, put all this nonsense about him, him and Bruno Fernandes and, you know, not being yeah. able to play together? Let's, let's yeah. put all that to bed. Look, because... at the end of the day, Ronaldo is the number nine that Manchester United have needed for many, many years. They don't need anything else out of him. Just score the goals. And that's what exactly what he's doing. But... Again, I was half watching as I was preparing for the game on the gantry. Every time I looked at the television screen, West Ham were coming forward. Now, I know Ronaldo had a couple of shouts for a penalty. I thought the first one was a penalty. Mm. It wasn't overall by um, the on-field decision wasn't overall by VAR. The second one absolutely was not a penalty. He went down before the challenge was even made. Yeah. Um, but like you say, West Ham United are a tough tough team to play the atmosphere was fantastic did you think it was a handball United on have done amazing did you think Go it was on. a handball on Luke Shaw well no, I'm torn about this because previously in 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 the law book proximity made a difference so you couldn't just go into the penalty area and chip yeah. a ball up and and, and hit, a, hit a guy's hand no, yeah. he has no time to get out of the way but under the current interpretation of the of the handball law yeah, it was a penalty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I think I think if it if it were if it, if it was at the other end, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would have been absolutely devastated that his team and and furious that his team weren't weren't given it. I just don't think this this United team is necessarily clicking. I don't think it's it's necessarily as well drilled as Chelsea and as as Liverpool and and, and Manchester City. But look, if they get that sort of Alex Ferguson sort of role, you know, late goals, mm. late drama, theatre of dreams, Stretford End, all that romance that goes in to Manchester United, then they might start to believe themselves that they could be in this title race. And you know what? They might, they might just be. I don't think they are better than Liverpool. I don't think they're better than City. I don't think they're better than Chelsea. But they are they Manchester United and they have this incredible team of individuals can they can they prove as a collective effective enough to to challenge for the title? That and if they and if they keep it within four or five points to the January transfer window and they make that mm. big signing that they need in the middle of the park, then I think mm. all bets are off. I, I do genuinely believe that, but I don't think it'll be that close. I think Liverpool and Chelsea will start to separate themselves, and and that's City? probably how that's. What about look. City? No, no, not, not no, happening. really, not really. Happening. I I think that I think there's there's too many distractions right now. I think that. The lack of number nine is killing them. You know, a nil-nil draw against Southampton. That mm -hmm. that's not the look. That's not the look of a of a city side that's won Premier League's past. It's just not. At, at least for me. And 
And we talked about this, this is a the time. The this previous. is the time for Chelsea to do it. Chelsea's coming off a Champions League win, right? So they have conquered Europe. Man City are yet to conquer Europe. So you could argue that Chelsea's priority this season, although they'd like to win both, Chelsea's priority is to win the Premier League again. Man City's priority, if you were to say, we'll offer you a deal to both, to Roman Abramovich and Sheikh Mansour. Right, can we shake hands on this deal? Mm -hmm. Abramovich says, we win the Premier League. Sheikh Mansour says, we win the Champions League. They'd shake in a a split second. Because that's what both teams win. Want. I want to ask a Chelsea supporter, Adub. You get the Premier League now, Adub. I no think chance of Champions to. League. You have I to. Th- I think you would have to. Even though it does, I mean, nobody's, I mean, we, nobody's repeated in a couple of years since Real Madrid. That would feel sweet too, but I want the Premier League back. I mm. want that title. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Liverpool are interesting because they've won the Champions League and they've won the Premier League recently. So they, they're kind of keeping their options open a little bit. Man yeah. United just want anything. Just give us just give us something that's silver. Is yeah. it the League Cup? Is it the FA Cup? Is it the Champions League? I don't think it will be, but is it the Premier League? I don't think it will be. So I think I think with Chelsea and City, and, and you might see City this season prior, I mean, properly prioritize the Champions League. Don't forget, this is a team that have won how many straight League Cups? And it, that it qualifies as a major trophy. But uh, does yeah, does it does it well it does it does when it goes it on the qualifies board. as a major trophy, but yes. is it satiating? Is it no. satiating city? Exactly. Fans? So and by and by putting you know, good teams out in the latter stage. You don't have to win many games to win the League Cup, but yep. by prioritizing it, are you are you hurting yourself in the back end of the season? You I know? think I think setting out these lofty goals for one specific trophy that is incredibly difficult to win, that is really predicated simply on your depth and your ability to stay healthy. Mm. I think you're kind of setting yourself up for failure a little bit. I mean, I, I know that City, you know, spend all this money and they're incredibly talented and, and everything of the sort. And they've been, you know, the, the class of, of the world for the past, let's call it, you know, seven, eight, nine years. But at the same time, you know, if you're just basically going to put all of your eggs into this basket and your season's a disappointment if you don't win that, of, co- of course mm-hmm. you're going to be upset. Of course, yeah. you're going to be upset. And, you know, Pep Guardiola's call for, you know, fans to come out. And, and Adub posed this question to us. Is that, is, is that sort of being a distraction from the lack of number nine, where Pep is sort of engaging with the fans, maybe pulling some, you know, Jose Mourinho tactics and trying to draw attention away from the obvious. And engaging it's a sign of frustration, media. for sure. It's a sign of frustration. I don't think you can really mask the fact, the fact that the city don't have a number nine because you just drew Southampton nil-nil. I mean, it's clearly, it's clearly there. Now you scored six goals against RB Leipzig, but you know, it's, yeah. it's still, it's still very much a problem for them. Speaking of trophies um, or yeah. maybe lack thereof, Everton Villa. Atmosphere. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, how do you like that for a segue? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty, that was actually pretty good. Um, so Villa haven't won a trophy since the 1996 league cup. Everton haven't won a trophy since the 1995 FA Cup. Between them, 16 times champions of England. Aston Villa won the European Cup in 1982. Between them, the most seasons in the top flight, but my goodness, they've fallen on hard times. But I've got to say, going to Everton, Goodison Park is amazing. Going to Aston Villa is incredible. I actually said this sentence to Lee Dix, and I'm almost ashamed to admit it, but I'll, but I'll say it anyway. If Leicester City ever went bankrupt or disappeared in any way, shape, or form, I'd be a Villa fan. You'd be a, you'd be a fan a, of Peaky Blinder FC? 
I'm Peaky Blinder FC. I've got the I've got the flat cap on, um, I, the Baker Boy hat on. I I just I mean because I'm I'm from the Midlands, so they were the big Midlands team. Mm. Those and, and Nottingham Forest, who also won the won the uh, European Cup Champions League back in the day. As Villa Park, I'll have to take you there one day, Tyler. Uh, and, and you, oh, Aidan, we're gonna have to do, we're, we're gonna have to do the pod from from this side of the Atlantic altogether. It will just at, be at the continental stage. football show that week. It yeah, will be the, intercontinental the continental football, football show. Yeah. Let's have a let's have a chat with uh, with Joe. See if he can fund it. Um, at, Villa Park is amazing. It's a wonderful stadium. It's atmospheric. But recently, b- before they went down, Villa was so crap that it, it never got the atmosphere that it deserved. Now, even in the post-Jack Grealish era, that place was rocking last mm. night. You know, the first half was like, I, I like what Dean Smith said. He, he called it an arm wrestle. I like that. Just this idea that they're both in the middle trying to, they're not putting the whole strength in, but they're just yeah. holding each other in the middle. Then in the second half, Villa blew them away. And it was brilliant. The whole end was was just going crazy. Now, you know, forget the spot lamps that were right next to us and the wasp invasion and the moths that were everywhere and and all that sort of stuff that the Lee and I had to do. Yeah, oh, it's a wasp invasion. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, I remember. Are you getting stung by the wasp? Did yeah, you let out like Villa a yelp Park, on air? I know, I know. Park last year on the other side of the ground. But um, composure. Uh, oh. our, our um, audio guy had a wasp go down his 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 back and and stung him. I I flicked one off Lee's hat. He flicked one off my face. Um, I, I I think it was an excuse just to slap me really uh, for Lee. But anyway, any excuse um, for that? Yeah, yeah. Villa, brilliant, and I, and and they they're on a roll. And Everton are very good. They had loads of injuries. It was the second half was fantastic. And it was just a reminder again, as I said last week, of the depth of the Premier League. Big clubs, Aston Villa, massive club, 42,000 fans, absolutely packed. It was an absolute delight to be there last night and to witness that victory. And, and Everton will be okay. Everton will roll back. They might beat Villa 3 0 in the return at Goodison yeah. Park. But it, it was. A great occasion. And I'm seeing great occasions every week, Tyler. Honestly, people are so up for this season in the Premier mm-hmm. League on this side of the Atlantic. It's 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 remarkable. And it's it's like lightning in the bottle at the moment. And long yeah. may it continue. And I and I really hope that, you know, a non-big six or even non-top four club, we can call it right now finds a way into the mix and, and, and maybe challenges some things. I know that that's yeah. like, a, that's like a, you know, it's a pipe dream and I'm, you know, hoping for something romantic. Um, by the way, you know, I know Arsenal got another win, but I, I said something on, on Twitter a, a few days ago that, that I still stand by that it's, and, and I don't think, I don't think. Uh, although, although you're having doubts clearly. But although I'm having doubts. <laughs> I said, I said, people are saying Arsenal won't get relegated the same way that they said Leicester won't win the league. It'll yeah. never happen. Yeah. It'll yeah. never happen. Now, I don't think it'll happen, but, but I still stand by. <laughs> well, I mean, they've won their last two games and, and, and Gabriel was very good at Burnley yesterday. Uh, Thomas Partey's back in the midfield. Martin yeah. Odegaard is there. So, yeah, I look, I, but I, don't, I still don't think they're any better, particularly than top eight. But here's the thing. And Lee said to me yesterday, <laughs> obviously Lee's a, a, a dicko, yeah. is a is a Arsenal legend. So going into the international break, Tottenham are top, having won the first three games 1-0. Arsenal rock bottom, having lost their first three games. Since the international break, Spurs have lost two, Arsenal have won two, and the two face each other next weekend. Mm. And if and if Tottenham were to, sorry, if Arsenal were to win, I think it's 2-0, maybe 3-0, they go above Tottenham. 
Yep. So it's, it's amazing it's how quickly things things can change. Arsenal will be fine. I don't think relegation will come into it. I think there's always going to be three teams worse than Arsenal. Now they've got, you know, they've got most of the players back. I think they'll be fine. But I still don't think they're any, any more no. than a top eight, top seven side. I really don't. Yeah. Leicester worry me. The way, the way that their, their, their results are going. Wolves are in trouble, I think. And I, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Leeds haven't won a game yet. That surprises me. Everton look good. West Ham look good. Um, Aston Villa look good. It's still The table is still settling down. Um, but let's see if but, we can't see. Like you say, one of those teams can break up forward and and maybe challenge the top four. Well, number one, how cool would it be right now if Arsenal were a legitimate top six team and and were challenging mm. the likes of Chelsea mm. and Liverpool? It would make it that much more interesting. And like I said mm. to you, it it as a non-Arsenal supporter and just a fan of the beautiful game and a fan of the Premier League, it continues to tick me off that Arsenal are not a good team. I, I want more good football matches. I, I need Arsenal to be good because it just adds another yeah. element and adds another layer to it. <laughs> the other thing. And, and we'll do this at some point in the middle in the middle of the season, and we'll you know like check in on our Premier League preview takes. I already have two ice cold takes uh, from from our Premier League preview. Number one, Edison Cavani for for a sort of backdoor Golden Boot winner, not happening with Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> and North, well, in fairness and, to you, I mean you weren't yeah, well, know that still, was going to be signed. And and my and my surprise at the Premier League this season was Norwich. Um, so that's not happening either. <laughs> right. Well, two things. Um, Edison Cavani could uh, join Leicester in in January and still win the Golden Boot. Uh, and uh, Norwich City. No, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I'm right. And by, and by <laughs> no, I'm no, right, no, I mean, I'm wrong. No, you're absolutely wrong. Yeah, yeah I'm absolutely yeah, wrong. Yeah. yeah. Poor Norwich. I, I tried to give the Canaries a shout. You know, there's a there, there's a man at a. At the Chicago Fire Football Club, uh, Lee Hannon. I think you. I think you. I yes. think you met him. Um, met Lee. He, he's a huge Canary fan, and and I and I hear about the Canaries from him from time to time and everything like that. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to get on the Canary train. Um, it's it's not going in the same place that the Ricardo Pepe train is going, which is which is straight to the moon uh, for the yeah. United States men's national no. team. But no, they have fallen off their perch again. Yeah. But it's but again, it's early days. It is early yeah. days. Things are settling down. They need to get their first victory of the season and then take it from there. But honestly, this season so far has been absolutely brilliant and long mm-hmm. may it continue. You're back on the mic on Wednesday. Wednesday, 7 o'clock kickoff against the Bruce Arena and the New England Revolution, the runaway Supporter Shield champions. We are back at Soldier Field after a month and a half on the road. I cannot wait to get back to the lakefront. Um, so we'll be on WGN at Chicago Fire FC Live, myself and Tony. Arlo, you got a, you got a little bit of a break here? Well, yes. Well, I mean, I'm free all week, and that's when the uh, that's when the, uh, the the research happens. So I'm back at it next weekend. Uh, Brentford against Liverpool, five thirty. Well, twelve thirty, eleven thirty central, uh, which will be a great game. And then the North London derby on Sunday. It's going to be amazing. Oh. But you know, I I just wonder, Tyler, are Sunday night pods the way forward? It, it I'm enjoying just... it. This is great. S S N P. Sunday night party. SNP. My my, my in, SNP my, inter, Intercontinental Football Show. SNP. SNP. I like it. Yeah. A dub. Got a ring. A dub. What do you think? What, I mean, do we do we talk to the marketing a, department at, at the fire or what? I think we need uh, first off trademark that right now. Let's get that okay, out yeah. there. Let's get on a couple yeah. t-shirts even maybe and let's get it rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. How do we feel about the nickname? You know, my my girlfriend was like, "What?" She likes to abbreviate things sometimes, and she goes, "Yeah." When are you taping the potty with Arlo? And I was like, "So the potty? the potty?" Hey, TT, when are you taping the potty with Arlo? <laughs> that was so wrong. Uh, but <laughs> we are, we are, we are also going to make you the most famous TT in American soccer broadcasting. So you know, wow, 
Yeah. Wow. Um, listen, brilliant. Sunday night. Let's um, let's do this again. Uh, this is fantastic. But we're also going to be back on Thursday. Gonna, yep. Absolutely amazing. Let's keep doing it, Tyler. Uh, I think people are, uh, are enjoying it. Uh, I certainly am, and I know you are as well. And oh, yeah. A-Dub, uh, A-Dub puts up with us. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. He's like a boa he... constrictor. He's just going to squeeze the life out of us yeah. until, we have, <laughs> until we have no, until until we have number no one, will. Number yeah. one in the Apple charts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Listen, Tyler. Listen to Tyler and Tony uh, for, the, for the fire game against the Rebs on Wednesday. We'll be back with a, another pod. But for a first Sunday night pod, I thought this was pretty good. Loved it. SMP, Sunday night party. See you, everyone.